Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the World of Martial Arts podcast. I am Kurt, and as always, I am here with Mick and Nathan. We're talking today a little bit about the origins of MMA and the cross-section between Jeet Kune Do and MMA and whether or not Bruce Lee is in fact the grandfather of mixed martial arts as we see it today. Mick, give us your take. You're pretty well versed in both sides of the equation. I'm not the greatest fan of Bruce Lee. I think he was okay. I think he was a passable actor. I think, you know, he was a pretty smart guy. He'd read a few philosophy books. Uh, I think he was smart because he, he was he was Danny Santos mate. Was he the grandfather of ever May? Mm, I don't think so, to tell you the truth, for the simple reason that before I really even knew much about Bruce Lee, I'm, yeah, I'd seen the movies and stuff, but I hadn't read anything about his philosophy. I hadn't read the Tao Jeet Kune Do or anything. But I knew that it was always, you know, a, a boxer will beat a karate man, but a wrestler will beat a boxer. And then when I looked into it, Judo Jean LaBelle fought Milo Savage in what is now termed the first real MMA fight of this era. So I think MMA would have existed. And the other one, like when people talk about Bruce's influence, I think there's a, there, you know, you speak to a few Greeks, speak to a Jim Arvanitis. This guy has got hair like Kenny G. You should see him. He's got big, unbelievable Greek hair. But it was like he was in all magazines back in the eighties as the father of pancreation, and I used oh, to I read. Oh, you know who you're talking. You know about. who I'm on about. That guy. I got needed to hair. see him. I know exactly who you're talking about. Of course. Oh yeah, he's the man, right? He's a monster and, and, too. Yeah. Oh, he's a beast. And the thing is, he was he was the guy who researched back into pancreation and pancreasa and everything else. And I really don't see why people say that Bruce Lee is the godfather of MMA. I really don't think so. You know, I, I think. The, the path we went down in JKD, you know, that was a precursor to MMA. But the one thing that I found, you know, training with a lot of MMA, MMA guys is when they heard about, like we say, the, the Jeff Thompson animal days, which were that sort of MMA, but to the extreme, 
they used to go, oh, animal days. Oh, yeah, we used to call them Tuesday nights. So, of course, it's really funny that people were doing this. It was just how you labelled it. So me personally, I think I think MMA was around way before. I think Bruce was cool. But again, it's how much of that was Bruce and how much of that was Bruce's, like he was the mouthpiece. But even now, he's still synonymous. You know, what, 48 years, 49 years after his death? You know, that he's still synonymous with martial arts. So, you, you know, no, I, I'm not having it. You know, I think he was, I think he was a pretty decent martial artist. And, uh, you know, I didn't think he was a great actor, to tell you the truth. You know what I mean? Not really at all, you know? But, um, yeah, I think he was part of the history, but he certainly wasn't. I don't, I, I, I certainly do believe that we would have had MMA and I think we would have eventually had some sort of all-in type fighting. Do you think it would have been, because this is a, a reflection of some of my own beliefs on the topic, do you think MMA would have been as popular were it not for him? Do you oh, think yeah. it added to the pop culture? No, when you see, this is the thing, you know, that the, you know, the popularity of martial arts is really funny because it's like, uh, how many people who watch MMA are really martial artists or even martial arts fans or how many of them just like a good terror? As I've said before, you know, the, the one thing about the one thing about human nature is we love our rock. Like, you know, the next I truly believe the next evolution of MMA will be like I'm paraphrasing Frankie Boyle here, but it's going to be some dude ripped to his tits on like performance enhancing drugs and a robot arm. Like because that will be the next, you know, the, the winter soldier will be in there or something because we always have to evolve it and make it go. So like. I think we would have always, we, yeah, we would have had it, you know, it, it would have been there. Like I, I tell you who I'd like to get in on this is Nathan Leverton, because as I've said before, Nathan Leverton's the most Jeet Kune Do man I know who doesn't study Jeet Kune Do. I think that's why he is. That's, that, that's why he is so Jeet Kune Do, because he hasn't got himself involved Perfect. in that nonsense. But Nathan, Bruce Lee, godfather of MMA, or just a lucky schlub? <laughs> Tell me. Um, I, I've got to agree with you. You have to pick one category. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've got to agree with most of them, Mick. I think also it does throw up quite a few different things, like the cult of Bruce Lee and his influence on the popularity of martial arts, maybe more than his influence on MMA. With MMA, obviously, you've got a parallel development. You've got the Brazilian side and then you've got the Japanese side. In the Japanese side, it was catch wrestling and kempo and karate, you know, kyokushinkai, things like that. And that, you know, that developed into shoot fighting and the stuff out there. And then in Brazil, you had Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And obviously, they were doing challenge fights from like the 20s and 30s. And the Valley to stuff was like in the 50s and 60s. Um, and all of that happened completely independent of any influence of Bruce. So I think that some of the main uh, like parallel developments of MMA that then came together had nothing to do with him whatsoever. Not having said that, there's probably people who are in MMA and are influential figures in MMA now who maybe got into martial arts because they saw a Bruce Lee movie. So culturally, he's got that impact. But I think technically, I don't think he's really had any influence whatsoever. But there is this real cult around Bruce. There is, There are people who claim this. There are people that claim that Bruce invented just about everything and that um, he was so far ahead of his time. And I, I'd be interested to hear some of your takes on that. But one of the things with me is... These, these guys who really make a difference in martial arts, uh, the innovators, I actually find the next generation a little bit more interesting 
because yeah. what happens is like a helio or a bruce they are a certain body type and they are a certain way and they learn taught themselves a certain way and they tend to own although they might break barriers they only tend to do it their way but then they pass it on to their students and their students are all different sizes and backgrounds and things like that and they tend to take it on a different direction and they tend to spread it out a little bit so um you know why like kano was doing judo it was you know like maeda and his students who took it off into brazil and became brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh, and i think with like you know probably the same with bruce as well that first generation of students who went off and took it in their own interests and different directions that's where the real movement happens in martial arts uh, you've you've totally hit you've hit on something there and i've just been thinking about this as so i'm going to embarrass nathan so i always i i always refer to nathan as a uh, UK's John Danaher. He always goes mad at me for saying that. Uh, but it's the truth, because he was the first guy that I met that thought outside of the box when it came to grappling. That, and that's that's the truth. And you know what I mean? It's my opinion, Nathan. You can disagree with it. But guess what? It's a free country and we still have free speech here. For a while, anyway. But anyway, I'm only joking. Uh, let's stay on the topic. Um, the, situa- the situation is, he just said something which was funny, because, yeah, you know, Jigoro Kano, then you go to Maeda, then you go from Maeda to like to Carlos, Carlos and Helio, right? Which which I like. I really like that that crack because it's like, what? So one of them fought a shark or something, and then there's that flight. That, that's that great picture of like you know the jumping armbar, you know, and you're like, where where's that come from? So you have that where you know there's this evolution, and then like the, the greatest example I can give is if we look at the lineage and we go right, Kano, Maeda. Carlos and Helio together, we'll call them do it together. Then we'll throw Henzo, Henzo Gracie in there as well, because Henzo can come straight down off that line, right? And then you look at John Danaher. And then it's like, right, okay, so at what point? You know, I was looking at Trevor Whitman at the weekend at the Usman fight, and it's that point where you just go, ah, now that's an innovator. Now that's, if you, if you want to talk about somebody who's put something into, into mixed martial arts, we can look at like which I like, you know, we're, it's going to slightly veer for a second, but I'll bring it back back on. John Danaher famously never competed. Famously, so I love the paradox behind that. It's like, how can he be that good at jujitsu and he's never won anything? And you're like, yeah, but he's never lost anything either. You think about it that way, mate. That's a pretty cool way of looking at it. And then you talk about Trevor Whitman, and it's like, I don't know anything about. It. I, all I know is he's an amazing striking coach. What I do know is. What the fight I saw at the weekend, you know, Burns came out, put the hammer on Usman. Usman was like for a second, and they, they had all of that history together that they were, you know, that they were in the black city, you know, all of that political stuff. He moves off, comes in, and the last thing that Whitman says to him as he's coming off the stall is, Remember, your jab has made you a world champion. Remember, your jab has made you a world champion. What happens? Halfway through the second round, boom. Jab, switches lead, jab, boom. That's Jeet Kune Do 101. It was like, is it working off my good lead? No, right, okay, then I'll switch. And it was that whole thing where you look at it, you go, right. So if we want to talk about real influences in MMA, we can talk about Danaher and his grappling with, with, with uh, George, George St. Pierre, which was, that was a moment in time, I think, for George. That George went from one level to another. And then you look at Whitman with the striking and we go, right, okay. Because when I see, especially when I hear Dana White saying, you know, you know, he's the godfather or the grandfather of MMA or whatever. What I look at when I see that is 
a UFC t-shirt with Bruce Lee's image on it and like Dana turning around and actually saying to Linda Lee, time to make some money here because it literally works that it's a cross promotion thing. I don't think there's any value in it. And I, I really don't think there's any historical value behind it. You know, as, like, if you want to look at people, we've got enough people in MMA without having to go, who made it? Because I, I don't think we're ever going to, we're, ne we're never going to find out who did it. And so this is one of the things with lineages and martial arts. You have all these different innovators and they're often surrounded by contemporaries doing very similar things. And they're always building on the people before them. Uh, but you often find that people down further down the line, um, the achievements that they have are then attributed back to the person before them because a certain people are only highlighted. So like Bruce might get highlighted, even though he might be doing very, very similar things to other people and be building on what people, other people have taught him. And then someone further down the line might be doing even better work, but it gets like overshadowed by that highlight that's on Bruce. And it's like, Oh no, but it's because of Bruce. And it's like, but it's only one, yeah. one point in a graph of all these different points that just happens to get highlighted, maybe because he was in the movies, maybe because he was charismatic, maybe because of, you know, self-promotion. Um, but I often find that the stories that told that this person did this and this person did that is often just kind of bullshit. And it takes away from all the people who have actually fed into it. Um, and unfortunately, it, it carries on casting a shadow down the line of you know like uh you know everything i've ever heard about dan and seeing the influence of dan is more like to me more important than what bruce did but he'll forever be the guy who trained with bruce lee yeah yeah i think you just touched on a couple of the couple of points that i was um, gonna bring up so like i think one of Bruce Lee's greatest contributions to the martial art world is his way that he taught people how to think like a martial artist, right? How to approach their training in an educated way, not in a dogmatic way, not in a way that's just towing the line of tradition, but instead coming from it, uh, coming at it from a more scientific perspective and say, look, you as an individual, what are your individual attributes? What are your, you know, basic talents from birth? What are your tendencies? I always like the idea of training people in a one-on-one -on -one setting in Jeet Kune Do. I always laugh, like the best way you figure out how to guide them as a Jeet Kune Do student is to sucker punch them. <laughs> just throw a shot. You don't even have to land, yeah. but just kind of show the hand and then watch how they move. If they ball up, like, okay, well, you're inclined to really be defensive. Let's educate that response. If they run a little bit, okay, you like a lot of footwork. You're a mobile person, so let's educate that response. If they eyes go wide and they're going to throw a hand right back, okay, that's an aggressive person. Let's educate that and we'll go from there. And so I really think he was on to something uh, rather unique, especially in the culture and climate that he was a part of at that time and in that place. I also feel like probably to your point, a lot of his contemporaries at that time, I mean, you guys are cited examples, some that I knew and some I'd never heard of, but he had contemporaries are already mixing martial arts. So, and some of the Chinese styles he was um, training or that he was exposed to or training as a younger person were themselves composites or, or, you know, amalgams of these different styles and different ideas. I don't think there's really anything new under the sun. Um, I personally don't find his, I think he was a great thinker by all accounts, wasn't necessarily the best teacher, but was an unbelievable fighter and an unbelievable athlete. Just a truly dynamic, really kind of a world-class athlete. Um, and his ability to disseminate that information, largely we should attribute that to Dan and Sonom. He really was the guy who figured out how to teach this. And you see that a lot from people like him. 
Um, I think I've referenced on the show before uh, Tatangelo Estrisimo, who's very famous in the Filipino martial art world, who's legendary as a fighter. But when they went to learn from him, um, that basically they had to just sit down and, okay, there's, you know, Nathan, you and I are going to go learn from Tatang. So we're going to go to his house tonight. He's going to just beat you up for an hour and I'm going to take notes and then we're going to swap out. Right. And he's going to beat me up and you're going to take notes. And then we'll just kind of name the things. And then we'll just tomorrow morning, we'll train that stuff together. And that's kind of what happened with him. So was he responsible for the creation of that science? I don't think so necessarily, but I think he was largely responsible for its popularity amongst martial artists. Fighters who happen to learn martial art to be better at fighting, probably not so much. Martial artists who want to get better at martial art to be good fighters, if you'll allow that difference, then I think you're going to see the influence of Jeet Kune Do and of Bruce Lee in that latter category. But I think it probably would have still evolved into what it was without him, just maybe would have taken longer. And maybe the U.S. wouldn't have been the hotbed for it that it was because the popularity wouldn't have been what it was already primed to be, if that makes sense. We're, you know, we're already waiting for this example. Every movie and video game we've ever had that has fighting in it is based on that sort of, you know, we all come here and try our styles against each other format. And Bruce Lee really gave us that. Here's an interesting distinction that maybe I'm curious to get both of your takes on. I don't think Jeet Kune Do as a prescription of how to do martial art really has anything to do with MMA. I think a lot of it is applicable. You know, if you're willing to take the time to dig into it, I think a lot of it could serve a, the you know a martial artist or an athlete very well. I think what he did to popular culture in creating this massive swell of fandom around the idea of martial arts makes it more likely in our era for MMA, for the UFC to thrive. Not that he's responsible for introducing MMA to anybody, right? Well, to some people he is, by, by I think by any account. But obviously, the, the Gracies, the whole BJJ movement that happened, that's what gives us MMA. That's what gives us UFC. But I just wonder whether it would have exploded on that scale if the audience wasn't already primed after... 20, 30 some years of going more, more like this, more like this. Look at the guy with the gloves where his, his fingers are in each of the gloves. Oh man, that's what that would really be like if you're really doing it. And now there's people that want to see that in action so that when UFC one happens, people are like, I know what I'm looking at and I've been waiting for this forever. I'm going to take my shot too. That would be more my take is that he's responsible in the helping set the stage for it but maybe not for the actual artistry itself, where somebody like, like your skill set, Nathan, is going to lend itself better to, to the creation of MMA than, than mine would, you know? Yeah, I, I, having not been around when Bruce was at the height of his fame. Oh, I was. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't even know much of it, what the influence was, because the things, you know, you can, there, was kung, there were kung fu films before, and would there be a Jackie Chan and then a you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and everybody, if there hadn't been a Bruce Lee, I I, I don't know. Because obviously, it's the, it's, as we've talked about before, it's the martial arts movies that got a lot of us into it. Um, maybe it would have gone a different direction without him, but Muhammad Ali was still a huge, huge figure. Maybe without Bruce, it would have been more people doing wrestling and boxing and we would have had it even sooner. And then people wouldn't have been doing Kung Fu because I didn't see the people moving from Kung Fu into MMA and taking over MMA. That didn't really happen. So for True. all those people who took up Kung Fu under Bruce's influence, it didn't really 
come in in actual people but like you said maybe right. in the audience right. but there are jkd people and jkd influence people who were involved you know there is you know uh greg nelson there is uh eric Paulson. there are these guys um obviously you know they trained in wrestling and thigh boxing and different things as well but although they are jkd guys sure they're both in a Santo guys right yes is Dan the godfather of me? Yeah, man. Now we're talking. <laughs> but see, that's just it. Is I think he's the he's the like the person shouting from the rooftops that this is how this works, right? So Bruce Lee is the spark. Dan Asano is the guy that kind of distributes this information to the people, and then lo and behold, some decades later, we get MMA, which is one of the things that Bruce Lee was talking about. You know, in 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 so many words in his book and in his. Um, whatever the, the his lessons during his lifetime but i don't know that he as an individual is somehow independently responsible for all those things that's quite a lot to ascribe to one person especially considering that like his some of his grappling background is going to be with gene labelle who had an mma fight his one of his favorite boxers is muhammad ali who also had albeit like an exhibition kind of thing but you know he was he was throwing his head into that ring and you're going to see bruce lee being going looking at some of these guys and saying, well, you know, they're willing to mix it up. That's what I'm into. I think, you know, if you're playing music that's inspired by other songs you're hearing in your time period, you might have your own sound and that might be profound, but you're still part of your product of your generation, you know? Yeah. You know, you've, you, you've hit on something there because I can't remember who said this uh, initially, but it's a great line. It was like before Bruce Lee, every American town, had a saloon bar, a church, and a hairdressers. And then after Bruce Lee, it had a saloon bar, a hairdressers, and church, and a karate studio. Right. Which, which I have to admit, no disrespect to you, because you're my, my, my American brother, but karate is Japanese, and kung fu is Chinese, and he was Chinese. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that has to do with the army and with World War II. Yeah, yeah, exactly, but, yeah, from the, you know, from the Okinawan. That's just how yeah, the yeah, information exactly. got disseminated, but that's exactly it. Karate wouldn't have existed the way it did in this country were it not for Bruce Lee, it would have wound up here, yeah. but it wouldn't have exploded as it did. Just like in the 80s, we wouldn't have had the karate and ninjutsu craze without Daniel LaRusso. I mean, it just that's how popular culture, especially here, works. It just wouldn't have been the same here, in my opinion, without those cultural influences. And I think the idea of MMA being this embodiment of all of this, like this cross-section between athleticism and, and artistry, wouldn't have resonated with people in the same way that wrestling would have been a bigger deal than MMA were it not for the images that people saw on TV or in the movies. I look at Bruce Lee now, and this is going to be quite an unpopular thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I look at Bruce Lee now and he's just that he is literally just, he's an icon. What he did, he did the greatest thing that you can do as an icon, which is he, you know, he had the good, he had the good grace to die early. So, you know, it's like you got Jim Morrison, he's cool because guess what? He didn't grow old and embarrass us, yeah? Because he he died early, there's all this what ifs about him. Right. But if Jim Morrison had been selling leather pants for gap at 55 years of age, <laughs> he wouldn't have been as cool anymore, you know, because he wouldn't have had the time to sell out. And that's why really I do believe especially with Bruce, it's like, yeah, but he could have been this. And I'm like, mm, yeah, he could have been, but we'll never know. People can project onto him and, yeah, make claims. And then also, obviously, you know, there's been 
the selling of Bruce Lee for so long. I mean, magazines know we've got, you know, magazines over here that they put Bruce Lee on the front cover every single month, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's... <laughs> oh, I'd like to just give an honorable mention to Will Henshaw there in World of Martial Arts magazine. You'll find it. It's the one with Bruce Lee on the front. But people, people sell people selling Most Bruce for so long has made him that, you know, created that legacy of him. And also again, because he died young, it's he, you know, that sharing of him is always in his prime. He's always and, right. and, and a generation after generation can kind of read stuff into it and make claims about it, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And it makes him malleable. So people will just kind of, even within the Jeet Kune Do community, there's, there's still the same debate that was being had since, you know, our teachers, teachers were, were talking about what is Jeet Kune Do. And there's still like 20 year olds in 2021, they're having that same debate. Well, I think Bruce Lee meant this. No, he didn't. You idiot. He meant this. Like, there's just like arguing our grandparents debates with each other, you know, Hatfields and McCoy kind of thing. It's just, the fact that we haven't moved on from that is startling to me and kind of takes away from the idea of his legacy having created something bigger and better or more profound or more beautiful than what he started. If we're still debating, well, does trapping really work? I'm like, well, I don't think that's the whole point. You know what I mean? Like we've missed a boatload here if that's the only thing we're focused on. And I think he had a heck of a lot more to say than that. And also, yes, it does. Look at all of jujitsu and all of clinch and everything else, you know, um, that's why, and that's why that, that kind of background, that kind of experience, that's why I started off saying him being uh, somebody that I think really educated people on how to think like a martial artist at that time. That's where you get an Eric Paulson or a Greg Nelson who are so open-minded, so dynamic, so completely talented. And so, you know, obsessed with investing themselves. And I don't mean to speak for them, but the little bit that I do know of them, of having trained with them and invest so much of themselves into all these different areas of the art, including things like Kali that maybe, you know, well, when is you ever going to use that in the, in a cage or in a ring? Well, you're not, at least not overtly, but it's going to make you better at other stuff and they enjoyed it and it keeps your body moving and keeps you healthy. So I think some of these, these approaches to training we have as a direct result of him. And I think we still have a lot of binary arguments, a lot of, um, well, that would never work on the street or in the ring or in the cage. So it's nonsense. So it's blank. That kind of thinking that, you know, A equals A, B equals B, and that's it. And they'll never meet. And this is just exactly what it is. It's so limiting that if that was the prevailing thought process indefinitely and had always been, I don't think we would have had MMA if people were constantly only debating those things. We know from the Jeet Kune Do community, we're still debating those things. So that means that there's got to be all these other influences that really push that envelope forward, like BJJ and everything else. And I, I, yeah, I just go back to the fact that I don't know that necessarily the fandom would have been the same, at least not in the beginning, or there'd be less martial art fans and just more fight fans, you know, like Nick was saying. The other way, in reverse, you guys have seen MMA come up. Have you seen what influence that's had on the JKD guys who were just doing JKD and teaching it and weren't involved in MMA? Like, yeah. has it had a cross-pollination that much? Or? I think so. And, and Mick, I'll, I'll start just because you're going to be the one to really speak on this. Because if, you know, one thing we're taught by, because I think Mick and I share really responsible teachers when it comes to this these ideas. In this day and age, if you want to be a Jeet Kune Do person, you have to be doing grappling. You just have to be because that's such a massive gap. To, it doesn't matter if Bruce Lee was a big grappling guy. It just doesn't matter. If your approach to it is about 
researching what's going to work for you. And you're like, mm, I'm not really into the whole ground thing. So I'm just going to ignore it. Well, that's not ignoring has never worked for anything really. You know what I mean? So it, it, you do have to be influenced by those things. You can't go around thinking that Wing Chun trapping is going to work against a bouncer or a bouncer, a bouncer as well. But I meant to say boxer. And when, when you watch some of these fights and you go, yeah, when are you going to implement that strategy, at least in the way that it looks when you train it, you're not going to, it's not going to work there. That would be an inappropriate time for it to begin with. So I always feel fortunate that JKD has taught me how to analyze things. Even if it means what I'm analyzing is showing me what I'm doing wouldn't work. At least I know that. And I don't go around navel gazing all the time, proud of myself that everything I know is going to, you know, Jason Bourne, anyone in the room whenever I need to, you know, no, the, the, the reality is going to be quite a bit different than that. Mick, you're a champion BJJ person who has a JKD background. You know, what's your, what's your cross section look like and how did that influence take off for you? But it's funny because uh, first of all, when we were talking about Jeet Kune Do and, you know, how it got wrapped up into mixed martial arts, I think it was the fact because we were just doing a mixture of martial arts, right? So that's why it sort of got lumped in and it started running away with it. But in the UK especially, it's really interesting to see because, uh, you know, one of the one of the guys we, we all follow in BJJ and in Jeet Kune Do is Rick Young, who was one of the first yeah, black belts right. in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So he was the first guy to, and he was a great grappler. This is the thing, you know, he was training with Billy Cusack and all of the boys up at the Edinburgh Judo Club at the time. And like, he was with these legendary dudes, you know what I mean? He had Mark Preston was up there training with him, you know, and Rick's one of those guys who was always very, very open-minded. And he was like the vanguard. He was at the start of all of this. But then if we look at guys, I'm going to just throw out a couple of names here, like, like Neil McLeod, one of the pioneers of mixed martial arts, full instructor and the guru, Daniel Osanto. Got to give him a shout out because he was raging because he became number six. So there was five full instructors and he was waiting for somebody else to get it just so he could be 007. That's what, because he wanted to be 007 in the UK. He ended up being 006. But he had a trilogy of fights. I remember being there for his last fight against a guy called Paul McVeigh. Nathan will know who I'm on about. This, the trilogy of fights was better than anything I've ever seen in the UFC. At lightweight, especially. Those guys went at it. But he's a really, really good martial artist, really amazing teacher. But this is the interesting thing. One of his students is another mutual friend of myself and Nathan's, a guy called Kev Capel who is a great Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, instructor in his own right. And that's the one thing that I've found, especially in the UK, is nearly everybody who's into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they had some sort of very loose connection somehow with JKD. Even if it's down to they went to a Rick Young seminar once and he taught two hours of grappling. And that's, that's how they got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And that's that's where that's what to tell you nothing the truth. I've said before, uh, if uh, I'm got to be careful the way I do this, right? So, if Hori and Gracie had have been well behaved enough to turn around and say to the Machado brothers, "We don't need ten cents in every dollar that you make, just teach Gracie jiu-jitsu, No one in the world would be doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu now. We would all be doing Gracie jiu-jitsu. And that would be it. But 
we got into these stupid arguments and now guess what it's fracturized it's gone off jeet kune do could have been mma if we'd have just been smart enough and had more athletes at the start because we've got a formula we've got a formulated way of teaching which is this is where i'm going to pull in nathan in a second nathan's one of the only guys i know that looked at mma and didn't look at just getting which ironically by the way he had he had he had quite a few guys fighting in the ufc at the time but he had a grading structure for mixed martial arts. First guy I knew that had done that. No, no, the leverage, the, lev the leverage wrestling system. I didn't, yeah, I Sorry, didn't know no gi. Yeah, but every, everyone's tried a no gi system. No one seems to be able to make it stick. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but you see, the thing is, Nathan, you were the first person I know in the UK that even tried to bring it all together, and you were the first person I know that was teaching MMA in the way that you would teach. Uh, no disrespect, but you were teaching it almost in the same way that you would teach traditional martial arts, you know, we, we are, especially in like, en masse classes, you know, and what we've got now, especially in the UK, is um, the, 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 effect that, the effect that we've got in the UK on the, on the grappling has come from two things. Either you were a judo guy or you were into mixed martial arts and you somehow got in because Jude Samuel, Mark Walder, and Rick Young, and that that they were the guys. And you know, this was a crazy thing. I remember Maurizio. Well, I remember Chen. Do you remember when Chen was down in London first, Nathan? Yeah. And yeah, he could he couldn't give away he couldn't give away classes. You know, I remember I remember when uh, Maurizio Gomez first came over, and yeah, you know, yeah, guys in black belts got, turning up in their karate gis, getting the absolute shit kicked out of them. And they never they never went back, so that was that's that's the, the whole that's the whole thing, especially in the UK. Um, I think what we've got is Jeet Kune Do has had a massive influence on mixed martial arts, but more through Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and certainly not through Muay Thai because Muay Thai is a very insular little world anyway. Uh, how, you know, Nathan, how many how many Muay Thai guys do you know that have switched over and got into got into MMA? I, I'm racking my brains here. There's a massive, there's a massive divide here with uh, a lot of the Thai boxing being up north as well, and a lot of the jiu-jitsu starting down south, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. I don't know that that's necessarily the case here, though, because a lot of, at least as, as we understand it, a lot of the Thai boxing in the states that when it first came here was again, again because of Dan and Asano, and again because of the culture that JKD created and the really the culture that grew in Asano created and, and shared with everybody. You know, I, I always think how you, know, you look at Rick Young as an example. And again, we've also mentioned Greg and Eric. The, these, these are people who uh, learn how to be open-minded martial artists and how to seek out and research things so that they can be better at what they do. And then they become masters at that amongst many other things in their field. Um, you don't necessarily find in, here's where I could get myself into trouble with the JKD people i guess i don't really care but the, the the more latter stage jkd people that are really trying to reinvent themselves in bruce lee's image will per, perhaps only ever really be masters at trying to be bruce lee where Gurun asano really preaches or preach or whatever this idea of being the best version of you because that was the message he got from his teacher and i think that's at the core of what mma is about is being the best version of who you are as an athlete and as a fighter not who your coach is but hopefully finding a good coach that brings the best out of you and i, I think 
when we compare it to traditional martial art, that was that was very rare. And so most people were not exposed to those ideas before a Bruce Lee or a Dan and Asano, at least here in the States. And I'm curious then for you guys as a wrap up on my end, do you see or, you know, I guess it depends on your on our ages and everything. But was the was the take in the UK that JKD was an American phenomenon, a Chinese phenomenon, a Hollywood phenomenon, you know, a, a global martial art phenomenon? What how did what was the read from your guys from your side on that when it when it was really kicking off? Well, I mean, I've never been a part of the JKD community. Um, when I first started seeing it, it just seemed as people to me, it was people who were just Bruce Lee fans and they were doing it because they wanted to be like Bruce Lee. Uh, but the sure. more, the more people I've met, sure. um, I mean, you've just been, you know, listing people like, like Rick and Eric and all these people under Dan, you know what, maybe they're great, not because of JKD, but because of Dan. And that's more and more what I seem to get from speaking to people in the JKD world is not so much the JKD, some of the people in it. And one of the, and the, the biggest influence seems to be Dan and that's why the people under him are good. And that's why they had an influence on MMA. Well, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And this is the thing, right? In my very limited knowledge of Bruce Lee uh, and what I've read about him, I don't think he was the sort of person that would like anyone else being in the room better than him, where paradoxically, you, you know, and I'm being polite when I say that, right? Uh, but uh, Guru, Dan's the, Guru Dan's the complete opposite. Like, First of all, you've got to remember, you know, he's a scholar. He's a scholar. He's an awesome teacher. He's an awesome human being. But think about this for a second, right? You just mentioned Thai boxing came to America, which it did, through Dan in El Santo, which it did. It's a fact. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can rewrite history whatever way you want. But can you imagine that? And I mean this with the greatest respect. Imagine bringing over a badass like Arjan Choi at his age as a young man coming in. And you've done martial arts for years. And then it's like, you've just been training with Bruce Lee. He's passed away, what, three years later? Arjun Chai comes over, boom, 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 boom. Like that guy battered me when I, when I was on the pads once. And I was like, how? And he just didn't do that. He didn't just do that with Chai. Like he did that with the Machados. He championed those guys as well. Like, and this is the whole thing. This is, how, this is how cool Guru Dan is. He'll get people in who are really cool, who are better than you, but they will actually make you look like a better teacher, a better person, because they're like, wow, if he's just so self-aware and so assured of his own place in society that we can go and train with these guys, then maybe one day I can be one of those guys. And I know this sounds cliche, but I remember years ago looking and saying to Terry Barnett and Rick Young, man, I can't believe you got, and then I turn up to start teaching seminars and people are looking at me and I'm not saying I'm in the same lo same level as these guys, but they're looking at me like that. And I'm thinking there was absolutely no way I wouldn't have got that. And it isn't because I'm wearing the Inno Santo t-shirt either. It's because guess what? It's like, there is no spoon in the matrix. There's that point, it's that point mm -hmm. where you get turned around and you go, right, okay, guess what? I can actually get there. And that's what he's done. So, you know, if you want to talk about who the godfather of MMA is, yeah, yeah. If we're going to give it to anyone, let's give it to Danny Inno Santo, because guess what? He brought he brought Thai boxing to America. He opened up the doors. Well, didn't he? Didn't he bring shoot wrestling? With didn't he bring Nakamura over as well? He brought oh, yeah, so say no, yeah. Yori, hundred percent. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, oh well, there yep. we are. We're in agreement. Sorry, Bruce. Uh, and that's where Eric Paulson really got his, you know, his entree into that. Is at least as far as I understand. And man, when you look at the 
the old, you know, fights and, and exhibitions and stuff they used to have in shoot wrestling in LA at the time or at the, uh, you know, at the, the academy where you'd have all these big name people, half of them are Hollywood <laughs> yeah, right. stars now. And you know what I mean? Like, wow, to be in those rooms at that time period. And unless we forget, JKD is conceptualized as being a street level thing, right? So for self-defense or fighting, meaning like, because I was thinking it's important to make these distinctions, like fighting in a parking lot is going to be different. Like your approach, your priorities, your mental state, your inebriation, something like that might be different than fighting in a ring, which is different than fighting your living room at four in the morning because somebody's kicked in your door and they're coming after you. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean that, well, look, you know, JKD is for, for the streets. This, this is for real and everything else. Is, I'm not towing that line at all. But the priorities when it's being created and when it's being perpetuated over generations are going to be different. I see now what we've gotten from Gurren Asanto is a mixing of and an opening of minds and a mixing of martial arts from a across the board from traditional martial art to modern, contemporary, non-traditional martial art and everything in between. Because that man will try and celebrate the good parts he finds yeah. in everything, which is extremely rare. Where you're not going to perhaps get as much of that inclusion of traditional martial art in an MMA format because, look, so you're saying trapping might work, but it's going to take me 20 years to get good at it. That's great. I don't have that kind of time. That's not what I'm going to be focusing on right now. Fair enough. And you probably shouldn't be. So I think the priorities have, have sort of dictated how the thing evolves. Nathan, do you have any last take on that? Does that, does that ring true for you at all? Or am I just kind of talking out of both sides? I thought you were winding it up there with a sentence. And <laughs> When you carried on, <laughs> I got completely lost. Sorry. <laughs> I got mesmerized, man. No, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, Kurt. Exactly what you said. So that's a good place to bring it home, perhaps, is just the idea that, that Jeet Kune Do is a lot of different things to a lot of different people, just like MMA is a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and the mixing of martial art can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Undeniably, Bruce Lee was a huge factor in the evolution of martial art in the Western world, the Eastern world, everything in between. So many people that we speak to, even in interviews here on the show, cite Bruce Lee as the reason that they started, including plenty of MMA fighters who perhaps wouldn't have started their craft were it not for him. So did he influence the evolution? I think we can all agree that he at least influenced yeah. it. Yes. To a degree, yeah. maybe <laughs> influenced it, but but isn't necessarily or inherently the godfather or the grandfather of it as if it's just only an extension of his evolution and nobody else. Um, I think that that might be minimizing it. And it seems like for the most part, we all agree on something. We're excited to announce a new weekly segment on the Uoma podcast here where we're going to investigate individually and as a team, a different martial art from around the world, from throughout history, contemporary, everything in between. Always open to your suggestions for topics that we should look into as listeners. Uh, but we are going to start this off just because I want to see what you guys come up with. We're talking about capoeira next week to start off. We're going to go right into the deep end of the water and talk about capoeira and where it comes from. Whatever you find, wherever you find interesting about it, whatever you think is maybe not interesting or wouldn't be a good idea to train, whatever you uh, discover about its origins or where you think it's going, that's a segment we're going to work on next week. If you have any input as a listener, let us know and we'll try to include it in the show. I'd just like to say, Nathan, I feel sorry for you because as an ex-champion junior Irish dancer and break dancer in Coventry, I am going to have a, more than a, an unfair advantage here, my friends. So uh, bring your A game for next week. And Kurt, thank you very much. That was a good one. Have you got any... 
Got any views on how you're going to approach this, Nathan Leverton? I have no idea what's going on, but yeah, I'll look up Capoeira. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the World of Martial Art podcast. And as always, in the great words of John Cusack, kickboxing, sport of the future. That's exactly what we needed. Now we need Cusack as a guest. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.